You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Libby returns later in the week. Well, what does it all mean? We're about to have an in-depth discussion on the resignation of Gerald Butts as Principal Secretary to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, and you are welcome to join it. 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. With us on the line is Liberal Commentator and Chairman of Media Profile Patrick Gossage, as well as Strategist Kim Wright of Principal Rights Strategies, and in studio with me is Strategist Strategist Mike Van Solen, Principal at Navigator Limited, and Ali Salam, Senior VP Public Affairs, National Public Relations. Welcome, everybody. Great to be here. It is uh, the big discussion across the country among politicians, uh, political pundits, uh, what is going on. So we'll begin with Patrick. Uh, Until recent days, Patrick, Gerald Butts was not a household name. Maybe you can give us a biography, if you could, about the important role that he played in Justin Trudeau's professional and personal life. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's what makes it this of interest beyond Ottawa. I mean, usually this kind of thing would be a restricted to the Ottawa bubble, bubble you know, because the principal secretary works anonymously uh, on the politics of the government and the politics of the PMO and and advises the the prime minister on the political implications of uh, and policy implications of of what they're planning however now this this guy uh knew trudeau from mcgill days uh they were debaters together and he really brought trudeau into politics and is responsible for his and is very responsible and has a huge role in convincing him to run for the party leadership and guiding him through the party leadership and in really teaching him politics. I mean, don't forget, obviously. I just missed the last part of what you said there. Can you restate what you just said? Well, he really taught Trudeau politics. He was his, he was his mentor. And so he was far more than the usual uh, principal secretary, who is really just an, an advisor on the politics of things. Uh, he was his best friend, and I think he's going to be horridly missed. I, I can't believe that uh, Trudeau let him go, and I can't believe that he resigned. Uh, who knows what happened? But, I mean, the worst thing that can happen is a, a key member of your staff resign in an election year. It's just not done, you know. Uh, you don't leave somebody hanging, you know, facing an election when you're an important part of the strategy of that election, and he would have been. And uh, it's just, it's quite weird, and it's quite disturbing, and I think Trudeau's going to miss him a lot. Um, he was a, He's a very, very smart guy. He, he's not a private guy, because he's all over, you know, Facebook and Twitter, and he's been quite public for, uh, compared to most uh, principal secretaries who we really don't know. I mean, people didn't know who Jim Coots was, the principal secretary, when I was in the PMO. He never said anything publicly, but Butts, Butts, I'm a, Butts has a big profile, and he, I think he plans to use it to defend his best friend, 
on an ongoing way. We haven't heard the last of him, that's for sure. Well, it's interesting. I mean, as my colleagues at the radio station walk into the newsroom today, they're asking me, what do you think happened? So I'm going to ask the four of you that. I'll start with you, Patrick, and I know you have to go. But uh, what is going on? What went on behind the scenes leading up to the Family Day resignation? Well, I mean, the real story, as we all know, is the resignation of this incredible woman, Jody Wilson-Raybould, who, you know, was brought in with such fanfare and who represented not only, you know, a strong woman in cabinet, but, but really the, you know, the was was a critic and was, you know, involved in the Indigenous uh, strategy and and critical her resignation and why she resigned and whether the Gogue story is true. That's, the, that's really where this all sits. And whether or not uh, Butts and other people in the PMO had a role in in making her so unhappy that she resigned. That's the real story. Uh, and, um, you know, we don't know, and we won't know until she speaks out. And I'm afraid that uh, Gerald Butts's, you know, over-the-top uh, denial of any involvement, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, and of course, a lot of people think there's another shoe to drop. I have absolutely no idea, but you know, why would you leave if you're innocent? That's that's the big question, and we just don't know. Um, uh, it's it's a mystery, and uh, I mean, Shear's quite right. We're not going to really know anything until Jody speaks out, and uh, and we're gonna, not going to know whether the Globe story was in fact true mm-hmm. until she speaks out. So, I mean, you know, this is a lot of speculation and a lot of you know, thumping around and kind of reading the same old soup, you know. But anyway, I mean, it's it's important because this guy was a really important player in the in the uh, direction of this country. Patrick, I thank you for your time. I know you have to go. Okay, sure. Have a nice debate. <laughs> we will. Thank you. That leaves us with Kim Wright and Mike Van Solen, Ali Salam. Kim, uh, your take on the resignation letter. If if this was not what you expected, what did you think uh, the prime minister should have done? Well, the prime minister has had uh, challenges, as I've been saying for a couple of weeks. Every time I keep hearing about this, yeah, you know, you think you hit rock bottom in this, and the prime minister and the prime minister's office starts to tunnel. Uh, it's quite remarkable to me uh, that they have mismanaged this from the very beginning. Uh, and whether or not Mr. Butts left because uh, he has something that he wants to share with the world or otherwise, frankly, somebody had to leave because of this. This has just been such a terribly mismanaged from the beginning. And who, uh, you know, if you're if you're not going to have the prime minister leave, certainly the prime minister's uh, chief of staff needs to go. What about Katie Telford? Because everyone knows she's sort of second in command in the background. Do we expect her to follow suit? What? No, I expect Katie Telford to, frankly, be there to help uh, create a smooth transition. Katie is an extraordinarily talented uh, communicator, but also she's very good with caucus and with the cabinet about how do we write this? How do we make sure that everybody uh, has has the has a better way of going forward? Especially because there are so many things that continue to add on to this. As I said, they continue to tunnel. Uh, so Katie needs to give some assurances to this caucus and to their candidates uh, for the next election that they're not uh, going to get uh, thrown overboard, so to speak. Uh, but they have to get into election mode very quickly while having the specter of this over their heads. 
what Katie is particularly good at is ensuring that uh, that there is that continuity, ensuring that there is the the the, the communication strategy, uh, and then seeing what things will actually matter to Canadians. And I'm sure we'll get into this over the course of the next hour. Uh, but this scandal has yet to matter really to Canadians. I think this is something that's been interesting to us. But I'm not sure it's yet hit to hit the zeitgeist of Canadians yet. We'll get to that as well. There was a poll done over the weekend about uh, how what percentage of Canadians are even aware that this controversy is going on. Uh, Mike Van Solen in studio with us here on Fight Back. Um, were you surprised by what happened yesterday? I was. I was in uh, in sort of many respects. I was uh, first. I'm surprised by the nature of the resignation. Uh, usually, when someone, you know, Kim even made the point, uh, which is correct. You know, the conventional wisdom that somebody has to go. But what we missed in this was that someone taking responsibility. Uh, for something that has happened and then leaving. That would be the normal course of events, where a prime minister would accept the resignation and, and say, you know, something along the lines of, you know, I learned that my staff, you know, didn't act appropriately with respect to this file and with respect to how we handled the attorney general. The rule of law is the utmost importance. You know, so it was with deep regrets that I accept Jerry's resignation um, and we're going we're gonna to do better and et cetera, move on, move on. Right. Um, but what we had here was, uh, you know, the, the the idea that maybe he's the scapegoat, except he hasn't uh, accepted responsibility for anything. So no questions are answered, uh, which really just leads me to believe that if you look at what's the strategy of this, I think Jerry, for whatever reason, feels that he would be better placed, and maybe the party believes too, would be better placed to handle whatever uh, more incoming fire there is going to be, uh, that he's going to be better doing that from a position outside of the party. Um but you know, as far as issues management one on one, you mean as just his friend? I think I think he's just going to be outside of the party now, and whatever that will give him a freedom, maybe maybe to draw fire if it's going to be ultimately directed at him. Um, but you know, when we think of like what's the conventional issues management one on one, when you let a senior staffer go or you let a minister go, you need them to sort of cauterize the rest of the the party from from the accusations that are being made, and but that only works if if you know, you say, Mr. McCallum, you know, you're no longer uh, our, our diplomat to China. You screwed up twice and you're out. Right. And, people and, get that. Right. Yes. But, th- but this one, I don't know how people are supposed to interpret it. Uh, so we pass around sort of this, this idea that, oh, somebody had to go. But somebody has to go for a purpose. And, and that's what we don't have yet. Because so much of the story is, is untold. Uh, we, we have to, of course, hear from uh, Jody uh, Wilson-Raybould uh, about, about her perspective on it. But clearly there's some, you know, look, we're, we're left to speculate, I guess, in the vacuum of, of there being no other information. We're left to speculate. Clearly something went on. There were some disagreements about how this file was handled. Uh, but uh, with only half the story, uh, here we are. And I just don't think Mr. Butts's resignation serves the, the standard purpose which is which is cauterizing a government from accusations that are being made of it because he accepts no responsibility for having done anything wrong. Right. Uh, Mike, that's exactly it. We are all left to speculate. Uh, Ali Salam, how are you thinking about the way the turn of events over the last couple of days, even the last week? Yeah, sure. So to to Mike's last point, I think it's uh, it's it's even more complicated because we're dealing with a a, a sourced 
allegation in the Globe and Mail that uh, we haven't really heard the details of from from anyone on the record yet. And so, to Mike's point, I think having uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould actually speak to the public or speak to this publicly is going to be key in figuring out actually what's gone on here. Um, certainly, uh, certainly, Mr. Butt's departure is uh, is as Mike's pointed out, um, challenging for the government, uh, no doubt, and it uh, it really creates a you know uh, it, it it's answering a question that uh, we're not sure what the entire question is in fact uh, with what we've uh, what we've seen thus far in the Globe and Mail and the various comments that the Prime Minister has made thus far. Um, jumping back to something Kim said, actually, um, I just want to comment that uh, I, I would I would challenge that Katie Butts is the is the second in command uh, in the Prime Minister's Katie office. Katie Telford. Sorry, Jesus, uh, Katie yeah. Telford. Yeah. And so um, you know, I really think they they were they functioned as two parts of the uh, the same leadership team. Um, in my own experience, I certainly found that to be true. And so um, I don't know that. Uh, it's it's a case of uh, first and second. It really was uh, two two equals, and so certainly this puts a great uh, greater weight on Katie Telford to uh, to as you were saying earlier, you know, uh, talk to the caucus, talk to the ministers, get everything uh, get re- get everything right in the ship of state uh, in, in an election year. I guess the only thing that jives if they're trying to create an argument, Trudeau is saying that she was never pressured never directed were his his words he she was never directed jody wilson raybould and so gerald butson resigning is towing that line she was never directed she was never pressured by the prime minister or by anyone in the prime minister's office so i guess that part of it is consistent yeah i think there's i think there's a little bit of lack of clarity here to mike's point you know traditionally it is in reaction to a concrete allegation with the responsibility taken i think the the challenge here is that um, we're looking at an unclear unclear situation as to what's going forward. Certainly the communications around this have been challenging, no doubt, um, to say the least. And so we're, we're, we're dealing with a situation where Gerald Butts has, has resigned. He's, uh, he's, he's saying that he's done nothing wrong. Uh, it sounds like he's reacting preemptively to an allegation that will come forward. Uh, we'll only know when, of course, when Jody Wilson-Raybould uh, is out there making that claim, uh, Ideally, I think for all of us, we'd, we'd like to hear that sooner rather than later, uh, and certainly for your listeners as well, so they can get to the bottom of this. Um, but he's, you know, we've kind of jumped to the end of the novel, we've flipped to the back pages, and the answer is Gerald Butts has taken responsibility in, uh, for something, um, whether it's the management of the conversation itself, right. but not so much, uh, it would seem, uh, you know, the, the potential issue. Right, and the wrongdoing, the allegations. If, in fact... It turns out to be true, which we we also don't know yet. Well, and that's the interesting part of all this, too, Kim Wright. uh, And you're listening to Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. Jane for Libby, we're discussing the latest latest scenario here with uh, the SNC-Lavalin controversy. The Prime Minister's top advisor resigning yesterday. All goes back to a Globe and Mail article on February 7th with unnamed sources saying that the former uh, Justice Minister Jody Wilson-Raybould was pressured to... To ease up on SNC Lavalin and their corruption uh, case, so so Kim, do we have any idea? Any, I mean, since we're all about speculation at this point, who are these unnamed sources in the Globe and Mail story? Well, unnamed sources are always entertaining for everyone, including uh, pundits like ourselves. But this actually goes back even farther when uh, Ms. 
uh, Wilson Rabel was uh, shuffled out. In fact, most people had thought and assumed at the time uh, that, in fact, uh, her demotion, let's call it what it was, was more around the missing and murdered Indigenous women file and not the SNC-Lavalin file. So fast forward uh, a week or so later, and uh, and here we have, in fact, it's actually more about SNC-Lavalin than the broader public policy uh, shamble that has been uh, how they've how they've handled the murder and uh, missing Indigenous women file. It has been fascinating to watch this unfold, and for uh, really extraordinary political operatives like they have around the Prime Minister uh, to have uh, mismanaged, frankly, at the end of 2018 and early 2019 so terribly, uh, going from Huawei uh, to this, uh, is it's just been extraordinary to watch it unfold as you're going into an election cycle. What else is coming forward? Uh, what will happen in today's cabinet meeting, for sure, in tomorrow's caucus meeting? And how are they going to, frankly, write this ship? Because it is pretty uh, extraordinary. Plus, you also have, and let's not forget, uh, the hashtag that went over the Internet this weekend, had Scott Bryson not resigned, uh, that there's all those, all of those uh, situations around Irving shipbuildings and, and all of the rest of that. This has been mismanaged. Uh, the Prime Minister's office has, has thought that they could skate on through and skate on by, uh, and they're being held to account on this. So if we look at the timeline, on October 9th, federal prosecutors refused to offer SNC-Lavalin a remediation agreement. That comes about three weeks after the conversation in Ottawa between Justin Trudeau and Jody Wilson-Raybould, Monday, September 17th. He says, Mike, that she asked him if he was directing her, and he said no. How does that conversation back on September 17th play into the whole thing? Well, look, we have his perspective on what that conversation involved, but we don't have uh, her perspective on how that conversation unfolded. So um, I think that's going to be really critical. Left to speculate, uh, I, I think we'll find that there were other conversations, too. Um, you know, I believe that uh, I believe on some level we're going to hear a version uh, from Jody Wilson-Raybould that she did feel that there was a lot of political pressure being put upon her. And we know this in part because when she was shuffled in from cabinet uh, out of the office of attorney general, she wrote that rather sort of wild, uh, you know, resignation thing on her Facebook. And Kim sort of uh, alluded to it. But it got into all this stuff about uh, the, the importance of uh, the rule of law and the the uh, the autonomy of the attorney general. And it was a bit of a head scratching thing where we where we all read it and said, OK, that sounds fine. But. Look, uh, until she speaks, uh, you know, here I am left to speculate, but I, you know, I can only interpret that to mean that she did feel that there was some pressure that was improper. And, um, and, and that's why she, she decided to sort of uh, vent or, or, or put that out there in that way. Um, it will all be critical. This will all hang on the idea of, of what did she perceive uh, the pressure to have been? Uh, did it put her, did she think it was actually forcing her to, uh, you know, her the Attorney General Hippocratic Oath, uh, you know, that, that, that uh, sort of speak, that she felt uh, it was compromising her decision-making in some way? Um, but this is a government, you know, the, the idea back that was mentioned earlier, you know, does the general public sort of 
get this. And your timeline goes all the way back to September. And I think what we've seen is sort of four months of really odd stories, you know, whether it's uh, McCallum or Huawei, um, you know, now this affair, um, the, the Norman case, where I don't know if the general public will pick up on, uh, you know, be able to speak to any of those. But what you do have is six months of uh, what they catch is, is they have impressions of headlines. And they're seeing um, uh, headlines sort of repeated of, you know, some failure, mismanagement. Uh, and they all kind of have the same theme, uh, some ethical lapses. Uh, you know, it goes a bit, it's, it, we've talked about how this story goes so much against the branding of the, of the prime minister as, you know, a feminist, as someone who uh, is imp- doing a lot of work on remediation with First Nations. Um, uh, you know, that he, ethical and transparent government, all these sort of cross pressures of what their branding and positioning is. So whether the general public is able to kind of dive deep in the specifics of any of these one of these stories I, I doubt but i think the an overall impression is being created of a government that is sort of adrift all right joining us for a discussion here on zoomer radio's fight back for the latest on the snc lavalin scandal kim wright mike vensolan ali salam and mike you brought up about how much is this story resonating with canadians well there was an online survey over the weekend which says nearly half of those who responded were aware of the snc lavalin story they knew about news to do with this large corporation, in addition to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his former cabinet minister, Jody Wilson-Raybould. Let's see if it's resonating with Zoomer radio listeners. 416-360-0740. Toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Let's go to Tony in Niagara. Tony, go ahead. Hi, how are you? Fine, thanks. Good, good. Okay. Well, there's a lot more to come the way it looks here. Uh, This is just the beginning of the end of the Liberal Party, the way I see it. Uh, this fellow here, he's always talking about rule of law, feminism, and women should always be heard. But guess what? He won't let her speak. I mean, I just can't figure out what's going on. But at the same time, why weren't the cops called in? You know why? Because I got a feeling it's too big and many other things to be found in the future. That's the way I see it here. All right, Tony, I'll go to Ali and see what you think about those comments, and maybe you can provide some answers. Sure, yeah. So I, I think, uh, I mean, the first question I had when I when I saw all of this was, um, uh, and this is not, you know, a criticism of her, but if she was if she felt that she was pressured, why didn't she resign in the moment? That's something that's come up in a lot of the coverage uh, as well, because if, if this was the, the cause of the resignation uh, in the end, um, where was that in the moment? And so obviously, again, till she is out there speaking, I think it's, again, impossible for us to know, and, and we, we're all hopeful that we'll hear that soon. Um, certainly the devil's in the details around whether it was a conversation, whether she was pressured, whether she was directed, whether anything at all happened. And so till we... Till we, till we know more, it's very challenging around uh, around those files. Um, so. How do you think that that's going to play out in terms of when and in what forum we would hear from Jody Wilson-Raybould? Yeah, that's unclear. So we've heard that she's retained legal counsel and a former Supreme Court a Supreme Court justice. So that uh, I imagine will be uh, some some. Uh, quite useful counsel for her. And uh, I believe the Prime Minister also said that he was uh, seeking an opinion as to whether uh, she uh, she would be allowed to speak based on the legal parameters that surround uh, these types of conversations. And so I think I think in both cases, we're going to need to hear back from from both sides quite soon on that, because this is not something that really uh, um, the story is evolving pretty quickly. And mm-hmm. I don't think that either the prime minister nor uh, Ms. Wilson-Raybould can afford to really let the story move on without them. OK, let's go to Alan Brantford. Al, what would you like to add? 
Well, I like to add, but don't you think it's 2018? We have to leave some room for some doubt. And so explain your perspective. <laughs> Wouldn't you hear Mr. Trudeau telling Judy that? <clears throat> Pardon me. I said I said early in the week that <clears throat> when the heat got hot enough, when the smell got bad enough, that Gerald Butts would be the man to step up and resign. I remember He's your call. Master. Uh-huh. He's the puppet master, and he can retain that position as a friend, <clears throat> pardon me, outside the party. Take the fall and still be in the background. <clears throat> but, Kim, did he, he really take... in the office. Yeah, let's go to Kim on that, Al. Thanks for calling, and thanks for your uh, prediction last week. Uh, Kim, in terms of the relationship now between Prime Minister Trudeau and Gerald Butts, how does it evolve from this point forward? Well, the interesting thing is because he is no longer a employee of Parliament, uh, depending on how his his contract is structured, he actually now can be a bigger defender of the Prime Minister, either through media, punditry, or even just his own things. What we haven't seen is whether or not uh, he will retain legal counsel. Uh, I suspect at some point he may want to consider that, uh, given what we expect uh, to come out over the coming months. Uh, but right now, he is remains the Prime Minister's very loyal and very long-term friend. He has a lot of allies, and I suspect he is going to uh, speak his truth at some point. Uh, what, whether or not the Canadian public believes that truth or not, uh, that's a different conversation. But he is going to be able to uh, help the Prime Minister more uh, by being out of the spotlight. At least that's his thought process. Now, the question everyone is asking today is, uh, if you are resigning, doesn't that automatically presume guilt? Not necessarily, uh, but it certainly looks like there have been some, uh, there, there certainly are some big questions being asked. We need to take a quick break, but Ali, you want to weigh in on that? Yeah, just quickly, I would say that I don't think uh, anyone who's familiar with the the political world would say that uh, Gerald Butts has been out of the spotlight. Uh, certainly, he's been very active in, uh, you know, on Twitter, expressing his views and, and the views of the government as he sees them uh, engaging in debate and whatnot. So um, it's something that we're, you know, part of the commentary is saying that he he's going to, he's going to, he's freed himself to be more active in the conversation. He's certainly not someone that's been a wallflower in uh, in really any political conversation in this country since he uh, since you know 2015 and even before that. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, perhaps if he does retain counsel or any other activities therein. But uh, certainly, I, I don't think we've heard the last of him. That's for sure. Okay, we have our powerhouse of political pundits joining us today on the SNC Lavalin controversy. Just the latest uh, incident in this uh, developing story. You are clearly interested. The lines are ringing. We do have one or two open here if you want to join the conversation. 416-360-0740. Toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We're back with more in a couple of minutes. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Libby returns later in the week. We are discussing the resignation of Gerald Butts, among other elements of the SNC-Lavalin scandal slash controversy, however you want to put it. And joining me to discuss, Kim Wright, Mike Van Solen, Ali Salam, and let's go to Wayne in Baldwin. Let's get your take on this, Wayne. What do you say? Um, can you hear me now? We can hear you. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, this might seem like a dumb, simple question, but... Um uh, most politicians, are, they got lots of dough, so anyway, it's not a big deal. But uh, do they, if they quit, um, 
I'm sorry, if, they, if they're relieved of their position, do they get severance pay? And if they quit, um, of course, then they won't get any kind of severance pay. Now, if you quit your job, it's easier to get another job than if you're relieved of your position. So I'm just wondering about the mathematics here and how it works. Okay, Wayne, uh, Mike, it's your I, turn. I could try. I could, uh, <laughs> look, I, I do think that they have, uh, if you resign, if you're an elected MP, depending on your years of service, there is a pension that kicks in um, when you're 55. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't think there's a severance in the traditional way you would think of it as, as, a, as an employee of, of a company. Um, and it's and we do exaggerate it. You know, we say there's a pension. Well, if you're, you know, if you're, if you, I don't know, eight years in, uh, into a political career and you resign at 55, yes, you would get 30% of your salary uh, in, in some form of a pension. So uh, I don't think they're foregoing anything um, by uh, the means or the manner in which they, uh, they leave politics. And, and Gerald Butts will have many opportunities, wouldn't you say so, Kim? I mean, he is uh, an environmentalist at heart. He was the CEO of the World Wildlife Fund in between advising the McGuinty Liberals at Queen's Park and the Trudeau Liberals in Ottawa. Yeah, he is uh, very employable. He will take some time off, spend time with his family, uh, sort through all of this. But uh, I don't think we've seen the last of him, nor have you know, uh, have we seen la- uh, last of chiefs of staff past like Nigel Wright. You know, people who are who are talented operatives uh, will find a way. And I'm glad you brought up Nigel Wright. Uh, Ali, how does that whole scandal in the Harper government and the Mike Duffy writing of the $90,000 check and all of that, how does that compare to what's happening right now with the Liberals? I mean, it's certainly generated a a similar level of media attention. Um, I think uh, that one was... um, I mean, almost a bit more linear in the sense that each each revelation was kind of coming along a, in, a, in a logical timeline, whereas uh, for this one, we're kind of pulling pieces out of the air right now to, to ourselves attempt to piece it together. Yeah. And so uh, the the narrative of the story is a bit more confusing in this case, um, whereas in the, in the previous one, uh, the revelations played out, and there was obviously the court case that went with it uh, that that helped draw out the narrative as well. But in, importantly, Nigel Wright took responsibility. So there was a there was a moment where he said, "I wrote this check. You know, here's the reasons I did it." Um, and uh, but and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna step aside uh, now because I've become a distraction, or you know, whatever the phrasing was in the time at the time. But there was still. You know, this is the idea of a sac- what's a sacrificial lamb or you know, or a scapegoat look like. Uh, it's someone who takes responsibility, uh, says it was me, or says I, you know, I should have stopped or whatever it might be, and steps aside. And um, that's what's missing in this narrative around uh, Mr. Butts. But that's also based on a presumption that something's actually happened here. And so, so till we actually have definitive clear statement from either Ms. Wilson-Raybould or someone else saying, you know, I was told to do X by person Y, it's very hard to establish that there's something that needs to be uh, well, responded that, that, to. Well, and, then why does he reside? Like, look, I, I think, can I only think a resignation it. can also happen that, that uh, frankly, relates to the, the handling of the issue itself and, uh, you know, not, not the allegation itself, but also just how it's been managed. Uh, well, I'm, I'm also not sure that Conrad Black could have written a shorter resignation letter than Jerry Butts wrote <laughs> yesterday. It is an extraordinarily lengthy, I didn't do anything, but I'm still resigning. So I don't think he's he's helped himself in that respect either. I don't know he, if he's helped Trudeau either, do you? I mean, if that, if, that, if he's stepping down, as he says in his letter, to sort of... Uh, 
to to be the to be the distraction that he thinks that he was by staying in the job. It just doesn't seem to me that he's done a good job of protecting the king. No, and I think there is there is always a time to jump on a grenade in, in of political staffers. Uh, certainly, uh, it is it is a thankless world of being a political staffer, and certainly the higher you go and the more detailed you are in that, the the less thanking you get. Uh, but I think what he didn't do was help diffuse the story and to do it. On the Monday of a long weekend, yes, Parliament was coming back, but to do it on the Monday of a long weekend, uh, it just add, added more questions than answers. And if he was doing it under the advice of legal counsel, that was a different that's a different conversation. All of this will come out in the fullness of time, and whether or not we're seeing some emails that might have been pressure, have seen pressure, or something else uh, to come forward in the coming weeks, all of this speaks to uh, what's next. And what if this is all in the interpretation of that conversation that I mentioned earlier on September 17th between Wilson Raybould and Trudeau? What if it's all in what he thought was being said and what she thought was being said? What if it just comes down to something as simple as that? I think there's a possibility that we that, that it is something as simple as that. And we never really get a definitive conclusion that something right or wrong occurred. And so and so uh, I, I, around the resignation, I you know, one has to ask, why now? Why like this? And so my my gut is that we're going to have some some more action on this file in, in, in the short term. Um, and perhaps this is just getting ahead of that piece of business. OK, one more call before we wrap up this segment, and I'm sure we'll get back to it again soon. Uh, Keith in Rochester, New York, uh, an American point of view on all of this. Yes, I was calling in and not facetiously to say how polite and generous Canadians are with each other, even when it comes to scandals compared to us down here. We go for the jugular. I'm sure that Canadians get righteous with their anger, but uh, to an American ear, you're so much more uh, uh, interacting with each other in a truly uh, polite and kind way, if I may. And um, I'm just, um, as an American, uh, you should come down here if you really want to feel the heat. I understand in closing that Canadians are angry uh, to a point with this, but the, the differences are there between our cultures and Uh, Maybe you can only really appreciate it up there from an outsider's point of view. Okay, well, on that note, thank you, Keith, for the compliment. Uh, I do take that as a compliment. (laughs) Uh, Let's get uh, the final word from each of you. Ali Salam. Yeah, I think I think Keith actually touched on something important there, which is uh, he, he thought uh, that Canadians might be angry about this. I'm not really sure how much, I mean, to a degree, Canadians are following this. I think they'll have heard, uh, you know, the various players in this story uh, mentioned on the news or seen a headline here and there. But we're nine months away from Election Day. And, uh, you know, it's 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 quite a long time in the political world to uh, to to have a story maintain itself. And so the real question will be what the resonance of this is a week from now or four weeks from now or six months from now um, once we get into the campaign itself. And so I think that's uh, really, really the key factor for uh, Mr. Trudeau. Mike Van Solen. Yeah, so I think this could be the the substance of the scandal could either be really small 
when we find out all the facts, or it could actually be monstrous and historic in how it unravels. I think in some ways it's a problem for the Prime Minister anywhere it lands. Of course, if it's a, a really substantial crisis, we get it. That's big. But even if it's a small, like we described this conversation as, as, a, uh, uh, as a, a he said, she said, you know, by his own metrics of, you know, the woman must always be believed, if it kind of falls into this sort of Me Too uh, sort of uh, political dynamic, uh, workplace dynamic, that would be interesting and a little trickier for him than it might be for some others just because of the commitments he made around those type of issues. But I think it's a, you know, I think at the end it's going to have a lasting impact on the on the Trump, uh, the Trudeau brand. Um, and uh, we'll see what the campaign masters are able to do to get them back on the right footing. But uh, I think it's going to have a real impact. I just think Canadians are going to look at this Prime Minister a little bit differently this time around. He won't be the fresh, fresh face, sunny ways. Uh, he'll have a little bit of uh, political baggage to deal with. We'll see how well the team can do to kind of get him uh, beyond that, but forever changed by this uh, episode. Okay, and Kim Wright, go ahead. Yeah, the cumulative effect of this between uh, the missteps the Prime Minister has made, the missteps his team has made on the on this and other issues, and then you also have uh, some of his uh, sitting MPs who uh, still haven't learned when they need to uh, not say silly things on the Internet, i.e. Adam Vaughn and his whack the Premier. All of this most uh, most immediately will uh, show up in what happens in the Burnaby South by-election next Monday, uh, where we expect that Jagmeet Singh will then uh, be in, elected and uh, in the House. You will have a full set of leaders in the House uh, continuing to hammer for the remainder of uh, the what twelve weeks that are left in this legislative cycle before we break for the election. So interesting times, never a dull moment, and I suspect there are more than a few more pennies still to drop. I thank you all for joining us for this very interesting discussion. Thanks, Shane. Thank you. Thank you, Mike Van Soling, Kim Wright, and Ali Salam. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 